How do you feel about people who say Ozzy Osbourne's music sometimes is a sort of doorway to darkness? You know, it's, it's down the slippery slope to the devil. To be honest with you, really, I just take it as tongue-in-cheek. All I can say is that I am not into Satanism. I'm not a devil worshipper. I've never been involved in black magic personally at all. I, I wouldn't know how to con It takes me all my time to conjure myself out of bed in the morning. I don't conjure up the devil. another episode of diary of the madman the ultimate ozzy osbourne podcast where we geek out about all things ozzy and all things ozzy related i am josh Kramer with me as always is mr dan drago how's it going dan i am doing fantastic today josh it's good to see that beautiful face of yours absolutely i look tanner than usual i just got back from vacation went and done some rides at king's island and spent some time with the family so i'm looking nice and tan for you today Yes, I'm looking nice and dehydrated. We had 32 days in a row out here in Phoenix, Arizona, of being over 110 degrees, and it was Jesus. murder. I'll tell you, man, murder. That is brutal. Thursday in Kings Island was the hottest day of the year at the park. Wow. And I, needless to say, I did get a little bit overwhelmed with the heat at one point. <laughs> I turned into the old man that had to go to the car and take a quick nap for about an hour and cool <laughs> down. And I, I fought it, but ultimately I had to do it. And it was the right decision because then I was able to come back and have some more fun that evening that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. But yeah, it was brutal up there also. Dude, when I take the family to Disneyland, they go from like 9 to 11, like all fucking day. And I just can't. I will go back to the hotel or the house if we could do an Airbnb, sleep for a few hours, and then meet them back at the park. Or if I don't do that, I'll leave about five and say, I'll see you guys later <laughs> back right. at the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Totally not me to tap out, man. But I just had, I, I don't know, I was swimmy headed. I was dehydrated. I was cold sweating. I felt like I was going to puke. And then I went and got on another ride and I got, I was going to puke even more. And finally, my son was like, he's like, dude, just go to the car and turn on the air full blast, lay down, take a nap. And, you know, and I did that for about, like I said, about an hour and came back and felt totally rejuvenated. So it was, it was the best thing for me. Yeah, it's scary shit. I don't think I ever told you I got heat stroke at Ozfest. Actually, it was at in California of all places, not even in Phoenix. But it was the one where uh, Slayer, Judas Priest, Demi Borgir played out there, and I went to California to go see the show because it didn't come to Phoenix. And I just didn't drink any water. I don't drink alcohol at shows. It's just maybe a beer or two max. I don't really drink a lot when I go to concerts. It's not my bag, right? I like to be coherent and understand what the hell i'm watching i got like the dry sweats really bad have you ever gotten that before mm -hmm. i could yeah, barely man. walk i like had to hug one of the girls that walked there and you know she walked me over to a drinking fountain to get me water it was a scary sight man i'll tell you I picture him like a horse walking him over to the drinking fountain and like, putting his <laughs> head down in the trough letting <laughs> exactly. <drink> water. <laughs> and at Ozfest every year i know when the sun would start setting it was fucking brutal year in and year oh. out man I was just telling my buddy, because I went and saw the Misfits this week, or last week, uh, here in Phoenix. It was an amazing show. If you guys ever get a chance to see the original Misfits with Glenn back in the band, do it. It's incredible. But I just told him, I don't think I could do the all-day festivals anymore, Josh. I just can't, man. At my age, I'd be dying. I know. And now they're like four days long. Yeah. All day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? That's, that's like when Power Trip came out. It's like, okay, that's a great idea. Just two bands each night. I can handle that. Like, yeah, that's a perfect <laughs> idea, to be honest. It's so like if, when I was fest, if ever it came back or a festival like that, I would probably just show up at like four o'clock and hit the main stage. Yeah. Yeah. Three or four. Check out the main yeah. acts and kind of be. And, you know, I, I hate that because we support 
up-and-coming artists. That's what we try to be. But at the same time, man, it's just so fucking hard. Yeah. And in uh, Phoenix, that was in the parking lot. It wasn't on the main stage. There was no covering. So we'd yeah. be out there in 115-degree weather. Just It was probably hotter. We were on blacktop. I sent Josh a picture this week. Our car outside, it's not inside the car, got up to 139 degrees sitting on the blacktop, the outside of the car. <laughs> it's like we're on Mars or something, man. It's insane. It is crazy. Yeah. You know, I was talking to a, a friend not of Mars, mine the other Venus. day. Sorry, uh, Venus. I got to get that ready going. <laughs> Mars is further away from the Earth. Venus. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and I was telling him I was out west at this time last year when you and I went out to LA and I came and saw, saw you in Phoenix, of course. And I said, you know, I've always said that. Yeah, but it's not so muggy and humid. And I said, but then once you get up there, it's just what you're used to. I said, their non-humid heat was worse to me than the humid heat. Like it was yeah. just fucking awful. And he described it perfectly. He said, it's like someone's got a blow dryer, like a, like a hair dryer, and just blowing it all over your body all the time. And I'm like, that's exactly how it feels. Yeah, it does. It's perfect. It's like it's just all over you you know whereas humidity in the south is just sticky it's right. sticky and icky. but that this was like somebody's blowing hot air on you all the time and i was like it's just the best way to describe it man so yeah i'm glad you're still with us and you haven't melted down yet <laughs> oh thank god for remote start on the car man i use that all the time so oh, by I the bet. time you get in the car it's already the air conditioner is popping and going it's almost a necessity you know the first time i ever saw that was somebody that came from a cold weather town and i was like oh my god it's amazing but now they've become real popular out here in phoenix it's pretty cool yeah I can say that for sure. So I am super excited that for many things, but this is our last episode of the patient number nine discussion series, man. We've made it. How does it It feel to make it? (laughs) Almost exactly. Slow and steady wins the race, right? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, it's been a great experiment for us. We're going to do this for every album Ozzy does release eventually, even if it's back albums, whatever. I think this has been a great exercise. I personally enjoyed the shit out of it because I mean, we knew all the songs like the back of our hand anyway, but I don't think I've ever analyzed lyrics and done stuff like that so much on an Ozzy album before. It gives you time to really appreciate every track. Definitely. And before we get started, I just want to let everybody know I was on our buddies, Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden podcast last week. It's going to come out this week, August 1st or 2nd, somewhere around there. Please give him a listen. If you are an Iron Maiden fan at all, it's just like what we do here for Ozzy over there for Iron Maiden. And I kind of talk about my love and history of Iron Maiden. And I give some great lists because, you know, Josh and I are always about lists and ranking and stuff like that. You know, Uncle Steve has been on our show. He did the amazing Black Rain and Scream battle. And I'm so proud because he is now a huge Black Rain fan. Loves the yeah. record, man. I think that's awesome. And that's all we want to do. We want to educate people and bring light to what you may not be familiar with already. And I think that's the most gratifying thing you want to get out of the show is when someone says, hey, I didn't enjoy this so much till I heard your podcast. Then I went back and kind of found what I was missing from it. That's very gratifying. Yeah. He brought it to my attention too. He's like, you know, I just heard over and over these albums stink and I never really gave Black Rain and Scream a chance. But he said at the end of the day, when he sat down and listened to him, he thought they were classic Aussie records and they were heavier, much heavier than he was expecting. For sure. And you know, one thing that you and I've talked about recently, it seems like Black Rain has just really aged really well. Something about that album. Yeah. When it came out, it was like, eh, not Aussie's best effort, kind of slow, drudgy, kind of eh, stuck in the mud. But as time's played out, man, that album has aged better than most albums do. And it doesn't sound like a product of its time at all. It sounds like a good, solid, current Aussie record. Yeah, I agree where Scream does sound a little bit more like the product of its time. And I definitely visit Black Rain a lot. Matter of fact, I probably listen to Black Rain as much as any Aussie record. Honestly, 
That's kind of like yeah. my never say die. I, I, for some reason for black Sabbath guys, it's not my favorite black Sabbath record, but that's the album. I'm always listening to never say die shit. I listened to it twice this week, but with Ozzy, I mean, lay your world on me and civilize the universe and countdowns begun. I'm always going back to those songs they are incredible. Yeah. Maybe it's the swells are not on the radio so much. There's not the burnout factor that, you know, some of the classic albums have, but I'm the same way, man. I go back to those albums a whole lot and, uh, hell, I'm still going back to patient number nine a whole lot. I'm sure you are too, right? Well, hell yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. Yeah. And thank you for sharing this experience with me, man. I mean, it has been almost a year to the day, by the way, that Josh and I were in California meeting and listening to patient number nine for the first time. And that's been a fast year, man. I can't believe it's a year ago. What do you think about that, Josh? Unreal, dude. I've really reminisced on it a lot these past few days with my Facebook memories showing all the pictures we took and stuff. And it's like, wow, it's been a year. Like it's been a fucking year already that we did this. It's unbelievable. That means that like the song patient number nine has been out for like a year and Two months or something. It had been out for quite a while before that came out. By this point, patient number nine should have settled into us to where we don't really revisit it that much. But I think we still revisit it quite a bit. And I think our discussion series has a little bit to do with that. But it just honestly hasn't aged that much to me. I truly believe I was going to talk to you about this. This has been the last episode of the um, patient number nine discussion series. I was going to ask you about this. anyway, So I'll go ahead and bring it up right now. Now that we're a year out and we're finishing up our discussion series. But looking back at it, do you believe that patient number nine was the right single? to be the lead single from this album now that it's played out a year later? And where do you think it ranks as a song in classic Aussie lore? So the first part of your question is, yes, I do think it's the first proper single. Unlike God is Dead, I did not think that was the right single for 13. But I do feel Patient Number 9 is. And I think it is up there with Gets Me Through, Under the Graveyard. I would say, I don't know if Scream has one, no offense, but... The modern Aussie classics, Ordinary Man is clearly one. I have a few more on this record that I think should belong, but I definitely think it's an all-time Aussie classic. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I know this time last year we were debating, you know, I was kind of big on they should have released Immortal as the lead single. After hearing how up-tempo it was, it was kind of a short, precise, to-the-point song. And I debated myself a lot on was patient number nine the right single, but now that it's a year out looking back, that's exactly why I wanted to ask you. I do perceive it as the right track. And I think it's played out to definitely be a bona fide Aussie classic. And I think if you have a greatest hits Aussie album that got released next year, I think patient number nine deserves to be right there with Bark the Moon, The Ultimate Sin, No More Tears, Under the Graveyard, patient number nine. Those tracks deserve to be right there in the conversation. Yeah, no question. And I'm surprised Ozzy never did an Ozman Cometh part two. I really am. You know, I thought that was a good spot to stop with Osmosis when he did it. Tack on Back on Earth, which was an Osmosis leftover, right? Incredible yeah. track. You know, our man, main man Ryan, one of his all-time favorite songs, which I don't blame him. It's incredible. We will do a B-Sides episode one day because that song is absolutely oh, yeah. gorgeous. But I think he and, should have done another one, to be honest. Yeah, and real quick, just to piggyback what you're jumping on there, we're going to do the music videos one day. All-time music videos by oh, yeah. and Back on Earth is definitely up there on that one also i love that yeah video. incredible but i'm surprised you didn't do a part two because you could clearly do one starting with gets me through and dreamer right out of the gate matter of fact i'm probably going to just for my own amusement create a 21st century best of ozzy on spotify so i could just jam it while i'm working out dude i'm having flashbacks remember like in the 2000s when you would do that with cds it's like yeah like, i remember dude i literally had one i had the osman cometh right and i remember i made a bootlegs cdr 
they said Osman cometh again. <laughs> and it like tracks him like down to earth and shit. Like, yes. Yeah, he should have done that. And I think someday we'll see it because make no mistake. And I'll bring it back to patient number nine. This album won rock album of the year. We've already talked about four classics, bona fide classics, maybe even five off of Ordinary Man. I think you easily have four or five classics on this record. You could easily fill another Osman cometh. For sure. But I think the song Patient Number Nine does stand out in the way that, like, say, Miracle Man did or Shot in the Dark as the song of the album, whether it's your favorite song or not, but it's the one that represents the record. I don't think it stood out to me as much initially. I liked it. I liked it a lot, but I don't think it was as accessible as a lot of those songs you just mentioned. I think it took a little bit of a time to grow. I'll tell you which song was like that for me. It's going to blow your mind. Ready for this? Let's go. No More Tears. The first time I heard No More Tears on the radio, because that was the first single. And back in the day, you know, you had to live by your radio over and over and over for hours because it was the only way to hear. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard, oh, the new Ozzy single's out. And I listened for probably five hours before I heard it. And I remember thinking, oh, it's a really good song, but it felt so different to me at the time. Mm -hmm. No More Tears just felt so different. And I feel that patient number nine captured that same feeling for me, like, Man, this is a really good song, but just very different, a la No More Tears. Yeah, but that's exactly what I'm getting at. How now that we're a year out, you look back and go, that was the track. It is a classic Aussie track, and now it fits the mold of where he would be in 2022 when it came out. And that's exactly what it set out to do. And looking back at it, it was the right call. And I agree totally. And I can see that with No More Tears, man. It was very different. And Ozzy went back to his heavier route there with No More Tears, and that, that track was heavy as shit in 1991 yeah. you know yeah it's like man like ozzy's back to because you know you had your glam phase and ozzy fell into that a little bit too with shot in the dark he comes out of it a touch of no rest of the wicked but no rest of the wicked slamming record it but is i think no more tears is a bit heavier as a track uh, the one song that's pretty heavy shockingly is breaking all the rules that's a pretty heavy tune i would say ozzy makes it more poppy we're on No More Tears, Ozzy's a little bit more eerie and that yeah. you know, intimidating, evil Ozzy, where Breaking All the Rules is just one of the greatest pop melodies ever written. Yeah. It's incredible. That guitar lick is heavy. Yeah, 100%. The guitar lick is freaking brutal. And Ozzy kind of had a Sabbath vibe, like a, like a sabotage vibe in his voice with that track. So I can definitely hear where you're coming from with that. Great stuff, man. That's exactly what I wanted to get at. So I'm glad you see it the way I do. Just when you look at so many people don't know the album titles and of the song, right? Or they'll say, you know, hey, I saw Ozzy on the Miracle Man tour or whatever, you know, and it's just patient number nine kind of does do that in retrospect now that we're a year out. Yeah, no question. So let's spin this a little bit. We're going to probably go a little long today, guys. I'll tell you right now, we got to wrap up the whole show. We got to talk about two tracks today and we got to give our best of list. That's okay. I'm, I'm okay to go a little longer. I hope you guys are ready and willing to go for the ride today. It's the only time in his life he's ever went a little long. <laughs> Josh knows me way too well. Is my wife on this show? So <laughs> no, anyway. She's texting me right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. We want to talk a little bit about bands and their perception of change. I think this is a great topic, Josh, want to bring up today. So, Josh, I'm going to throw it over to you. Let me pick your brain a little bit on what you wanted to discuss. So the reason this came up in my mind today is, for those that don't know, I'm a massive fan of the band Seven Dust. And aside from Ozzy and Black Sabbath, they're probably my favorite band. I've followed them since 1998 or so. Uh, seen them live as many times as I have Ozzy, probably 20-some times live have every album, have always just followed them. And their newest album's out called Truth Killer. Came out July 28th, last Friday. Go check it out. And I happened to really like it. I didn't get to listen to it as much as I'd like it because I was on vacation, like I talked about earlier. 
after finally being able to soak it in and really listen to it, I find it to be an extremely fun, different album. It still has the classic Seven Dust vibe, no doubt. You know, a band is who they are. They still have all the original members. It's got their classic sound. But this album represents a growth in the band. I think they've taken a step forward. The songwriting is a little bit more progressive. It has moments of pop elements. Some people may hate me saying that, but there's moments where it's a little more radio friendly. The opening track is called I Might Let the Devil Win, and it could be almost on a pop album. It sounds like it could be on a local hit station, but it also has the heavy drive at the end of it to kind of make it sound like Seven Dust at the same time. But online, I'm reading a lot of diehard Seven Dust fans who all oh, love the guys. You know, they've never let me down with this album. I just don't know, man. I just don't know. So the reason I bring this up to Dan is some of these bands get stuck in a rut of what do you do? Do you reinvent and try to do something different and grow? You Metallica, right? The Black Album is a great example. And don't get me wrong, the Seven Dust album isn't that kind of departure. It's a very subtle departure, but there is a definite growth in this record. But bands can get so stuck that they have to have a certain sound that the fans won't allow anything else. But as a band, you want to grow and expand and try. Dan's doing this right now. Dan's doing less heavy rock albums right now that he's you know, than what he used to write in the past. But at the same time, you have bands like ACDC where you know the sound, you know what you're going to get when you buy it, and that's all you ask for and want. Slayer, too. Yeah, great example. I just find it to be such a tricky spot for an artist to be in. I was going to see what you thought about that kind of stuff. I think it just depends on the band, and I'm sorry to interrupt you there earlier, but I think bands like ACDC and Slayer, Iron Maiden, I think, is a big one for this. Even though their newer style doesn't mesh with their earlier style, but their last four or five records, all very similar. I think Seven Dust, it's funny you say that, and I'm not ripping them. I do have a lot of respect for Seven Dust, but I feel like, how do I say this? You hear one song, you've probably heard their style, right? I think that's fair to say, yeah. If you like one, you're going to like pretty much everything they've ever done. Right. And if you don't, you probably won't. That's very fair to say. Yeah, so I don't see a lot of diversity within their band. I mean, once in a while, they have like a cool acoustic track, and he might sing a little bit more, or he might scream a little bit more. But at the end of the day, the whole feel and vibe of the song is very seven dust. Now, as a songwriter, I take that as a compliment because I just had this conversation with my wife because I write a lot, obviously, and I feel like my music has a style. No matter what, if I'm trying to emulate Sabbath, Metallica, the Beatles, or a modern rock song, I feel like the music I write has got Dan Drago imprinted on it. And I wear that as a badge of honor. Tony has that for sure as well. Oh, no doubt. Eddie Van Halen had that, you know, and I'm not comparing yes, myself to these people. Let me just be perfectly honest. I'm just saying that I feel like I we have. We all heard it. He yeah. just said he's Eddie Van Halen, didn't he? We heard it. No, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? But I think at the end of the day, what you want to do as a band is never lose focus of that original sound. And I think you could expand on it a little bit. And I think Metallica is the exception, not the rule, because... Me and Josh both love Load. I'm not going to lie. I think Load is a great yeah. record. I'm not saying I like it as better than, you know, Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets, but I don't think it's the abomination that everybody thinks it is. I think Load is incredible. And I take my hat off to Metallica. Another band is Judas Priest. I think Judas Priest can do something like Screaming for Vengeance and Defenders of the Faith that are very much like bookend albums. And then their next record, Turbo, is something completely different, but they can get away with it because at the end of the day, Rob is Rob, you know, and those guitar players Mm -hmm. are shredding on every track. It's hard because you don't want to lose your core audience. And I think a lot of bands do that when they change their style too much. But as a a creative person, you don't want to write the same song over and over again, unless you're ACDC. 
And again, if you're saving us, let me be clear. They're not getting shredded for this album. But I'm just saying I'm reading a lot of diehard fans say, man, this is the first album that they've put out that I'm not so sure how I feel about it. Right. It's not so crazy different that they won't come around to it. They'll all come around to it. They'll end up loving it. But as a band, I will guarantee you they enjoyed writing and recording this album more than they have anything in the past five or six records worth. Yeah. Because it is different. Stepping outside their boundaries and trying new things. Well, isn't also Avenged Sevenfold doing this as well? And I'm not a fan of theirs, so I haven't heard their new record. And nothing against them. It's just not really my style of music. But aren't they doing yes. something very similar? Yes. Avenged Sevenfold actually is a better example because they're way more commercial than Seven Dust. Their newest record, I mean, they try to outthink themselves all the time, I feel like. They're always trying to be so creative and different. Whereas really, all the fans want them to do is just rock and roll. They released the Hell of the King record, and everyone loved that. And they've never tried to do that since. Like, every album's going to be totally different. And even their live set. I was listening to the radio the other day and somebody called in was bitching that they went and saw them live and they put like seven songs from the new record or something and they were all pissed off about it. I love that. Me yeah, too. if I go see Seven Dust and they play seven songs off this new album, I'm tickled to death because I've heard them play the other ones a million times, you know? We talked about that last week, that fans that go see an album tour should expect to hear songs from the album. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm all on board with that. But now I was just kind of curious and curious what people think about that. You know, do you like for bands to reinvent the wheel every time they release a new album and take a step forward and progress? Or do you truly expect that every time you buy your favorite band's new album, it should sound just like the last one? Yeah, it's a great topic. And I'll tell you why. Isn't this why 13 got kind of ripped a little bit? A little bit. Yeah. Because it was not the opposite, right? They go back to their original style and everybody's saying, oh, you're copying yourself. It's a ripoff. Yep. But if they would have went to outside the box, people would have said, what the hell are you doing? So I sometimes feel like there's a no-win situation here. It is. Either way, if you do the same album over and over again, you're ripping yourself off. You're carbon copying yourself. If you change a progress, never said I was progressive record for Black Sabbath. It gets shredded for that. But at the same time, that's what people love about it. Technical ecstasy, too. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's just a fun topic. And like I said, there's really no right or wrong answer. It's just kind of what do you prefer? I actually prefer the different albums. Well, it's actually what drove Ozzy out of the band. Ultimately, he hated yeah. the direction. He wanted to go back to the original sound. So it's kind of interesting. If you're in a band and you don't like the direction, I can understand that. But I just mean as a fan, like for me, for whatever reason, the Razor's Edge always stood out. It's just different. It had this little bit more edge to it. It had a Razor's Edge to me, you know. And I just always liked that, you know. And then sure enough, by the next album, which was Hard as a Rock, right? Ball Breaker. Uh, ball Breaker. Ball Breaker, they're back to classic ACDC just like that. And, you, you know, maybe it's just the drumming. You know, maybe having Phil Rudd back behind the kit was, was some of that. I don't know. Well, they also went to Rick Rubin, who kind of did an Ozzy Black Sabbath thing to them, which was... Get back to your roots. So then they went back to their brother to do Stiff Upper Lip, which I think is a great return to form. I, yes. And I love Ball Breaker, too. But I, I actually I like them just as much as the Razor's Edge, to be honest. Yeah. I think those three records is a hell of a run in ACDC's history. Yeah, absolutely. No question. And But you know, the Razor's Edge is slightly different. And I just, I don't know. It's just like I said, it's a no-win situation. It's also a no-lose situation. This depends what people prefer, what your listener wants. Last thing I'll say is... God bless ACDC for writing the same song for 50 years and never getting tired or old and really writing a bad song. It's no. amazing what they've Jim, done in their Jim career. Brewer said it best, right? He's like, every ACDC song sounds just alike, but they all fucking rock. Yeah, but <laughs> so. they're all kind of different, too. I mean, yeah. TNT doesn't sound like Thunderstruck, but it's clearly ACDC. Maybe I should pick two Brian Johnson songs. Hell's Bell sounds nothing like Thunderstruck. But it's clearly ACDC, yeah, right? And they both yeah. fucking rock. And they both are amazing. <laughs> All right, so let's get back on to Ozzy news here a little bit. I know this week Ozzy came out 
and talked about having to remove some mesh filters for blood clots that he was having. And my wife also suffers from blood clots. She's on blood thinners every day for the rest of her life. So, you know, very personal for me. But let me just say this. It's a horrible thing to deal with blood clots. You know, my wife had had surgery on them and it's nasty, but removing the mesh filters is not a terrible procedure, right, Josh? You work in the medical no. community. No, it's nothing, not much. And even Ozzy said it because it's not as bad as it sounds. You know, it's not really a whole lot to it. And I think Zach Wilde had some blood clot issues. He did. Yeah. Scary. So yeah. obviously that's the reason they came out that he didn't do the Power Trip Festival, but I'm starting to believe he was never really even going to do I think it was just to sell tickets. I really do. And I'm not a conspiracy guy. I think Ozzy had a 5% chance to play it. And they were like, all right, we'll throw it on there just in case. And we have Judas Priest as a backup if he can't do it. So when you say that, you mean in your mind from the promoter's perspective, not so much Ozzy's. You think Ozzy intended to get out there the whole time or he knew the whole time he couldn't? No, I think Ozzy gave them like a... Ozzy might have said a 50% chance. I don't think Ozzy was doing I think the promoters were like, well, we'll sell the tickets even if Ozzy has a 5% chance to play, knowing we have Judas Priest as a backup yeah. if he can't make it. Very well could be. I do agree that I think he was like, hey, 50-50 shot could be there. Yeah. Well, fuck it. We'll run with it. And like you said, the promoters in the back of the head are going, it's going to sell a lot of tickets. He's not yeah. you know, he's not performed since 2018, blah, 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 blah. I could see that. I don't think Ozzy would sit out and deceive the fans like that. I think in his mind, he wanted to be there and thought he could be there. He mentioned on Ozzy Speaks that he hasn't recuperated from the past surgery as quickly as he had hoped. He sounded really tired, Dan. I was kind of just, you know, even on the show here recently, I mentioned how good he's been sounding with his voice lately when he speaks. He's more audible and clear, and his breath is a little bit more available. And he sounded really tired on Ozzy Speaks. It's kind of discouraging to hear him. Yeah, it is really disappointing and worrisome. That's the best word I can come up with because he's gone through so many medical changes in the last couple of years, man. I, I, I'm very worried about the man. Yeah. And apparently Sharon was on the Bill Maher podcast and Dan and I have not got to listen to this one yet as we just found out about it today or yesterday when Ryan mentioned it to us. But Ryan listened to it and he gave us a quick update that Sharon did say that Ozzy wants to do at least one more live show to give a proper send off. And that's exactly what we've said on the show, right? You and I both come out and said, I think the man just wants to play one more show. Go out on totally his own have felt that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go out on his own accord. Exactly. Yeah, no doubt. And so she kind of confirmed that if they can just get one more out there, you know, and I think it can be done, you know, I, or even if you do an Ozzy and Friends gig where Ozzy comes out and sings four or five songs, but his best friends are singing the other songs, you know, have people like Jonathan Davis, of course, people who are close when they come out and perform Aussie songs he's in attendance and then he joins at the end and does four or five songs or something just nothing to say bye in his own way would be awesome i'd totally be down for that that's a great idea i'm hoping he could do a full show i mean to be perfectly honest he actually looked really good and this is probably a year ago almost at the la rams halftime show yeah i thought he actually looked really really good i don't know if he looks as good now as he did then to be perfectly honest yeah, I agree. I thought he looked really good out there. And, you know, one more thing he mentioned real quick on Ozzy Speaks that I found very noticeable. It was the briefest of statements. But he said it takes time to do things like getting ready for the show and getting your band together. And I thought, oh, hmm, it's an interesting, interesting statement. Was there a chance they were indeed going to do this gig without Zach Wilde? Yeah, I wonder. You know? If it's Zach and Adam and Tommy, I mean, that's not really, you got to get the band together to rehearse a time or two, but at the same time, like he made it sound like it was the briefest of statements. He breezed right through that. And of course, Billy didn't jump on it at all, but I thought get a band together. Cause that's kind of how he said, got to get a, a band together. So I was like, yeah. Oh. 
Well, and know. these guys were all professional musicians, not only Zach, you know, doing the Pantera thing. And I, eventually you and I are going to have to have a conversation on what that means for Black Label Society. I know they're doing a new record, but I feel like this Pantera gig is a full-time gig. And I think they're going to write a record, personally. I do. Man, it's so fucking big. I was in, so as I mentioned earlier in the show, I was in Kings Island. It's in Ohio. It's, it's northern Cincinnati. And everywhere I looked on this weekend trip, I saw Pantera shirts. And every time I did, I would speak and say, you know how metalheads are we see each other. I was like, hey, man, cool shirt. Yeah, you sure. can't resist. Right? And I'm wearing a motorhead shirt myself, so it's just kind of like whatever. But Incarceration is the festival in Mansfield, Ohio. And it was, everyone had been to Incarceration to see Pantera, dude. And it was just a buzz of that way about fucking Pantera right now. And there's a definite thing about it. And Dan is not the biggest Pantera fan, so I know he probably ain't loving it. No, I just love that the festival in Kentucky is in Kentucky. It's in Ohio. Called- Oh, all right. The festival in Ohio is called Incarceration. That just incarceration. Makes me laugh. So yeah. here's why it's held at a an old prison that's a, okay. a, a abandoned, and they do a tattoo and music festival together. Incarceration. Incarceration. That yeah. makes. I just thought it was called Incarceration. Fuck no, it. No, Incarceration. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. And Pantera I, headlined it this year, I believe. I think Slipknot was there too, or somebody. And they're opening for Metallica on you know the first night of their tour. Which yep. is going to be huge, and you know they're going to go over incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think this Pantera thing is going to be years. Years. I wonder when he's going to have time to even tour for yeah. Black Label Society. Well, the reality is people can bitch all they want. You know, oh, it's not a reunion. The brothers aren't there. Go look at the fucking shows. Those crowds are going bonkers, man. They are going bonkers. And the band's tight. Zach and Charlie are fitting in perfectly. I'm like you, man. I can see it going further. The minute they try to release an album, people will lose their shit, but we'll all fucking buy a copy. No Dan question. may not, because Dan's not a big Pantera fan, but he does love <laughs> Zach Wild, so he might for yes, Zach. I will for Zach, for sure. But now, yeah. If Phil goes back to singing, I would be more involved. Like I really love Down. I'm one of the I think the first Down record is one of the greatest records. And I like Phil's voice on that even better because he's singing that smoky rock voice that he mm-hmm. has which I think he's lost his way in Pantera and he doesn't use it very much anymore. True. But if you've watched any of the videos and I know you have watched some of the videos from their shows, Phil sounds really good right now. He does. He sounds surprisingly good. Yeah, absolutely. I just hope he cuts down on the screaming a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say he will just preserve his voice if nothing else. So let me ask you this since we brought it up. I'm sorry. We're going crazy today, guys, but this is how the show is. What is the difference? Explain it to me of Zach playing Randy Rhodes songs with Ozzy and Zach playing Dimebag Daryl songs with Phil. I don't know what the difference is. Dude, that's an excellent way. I've never thought about it that way, but that's an excellent way of putting it. Because one has a band name, one has a solo artist name. But is still, I mean, Randy Rhodes I mean, is so iconic. attached to Ozzy and so iconic. Why is nobody mm-hmm. getting mad that Zach is playing Randy Rhodes songs, but they're all up in arms about him doing the Dimebag stuff? There's no rip on Dimebag, but Randy is just as iconic. Yeah, he's more iconic. But no, that's an excellent point, man. I've never thought about it that way. And, you know, I've always said if anyone was going to do it, Charlie and Zach are the guys. Dimebag had a tattoo on his forearm of a bullseye with the black label skull in the middle of it, man. He loved Zach Wilde. So if anyone's going to do it, that's the perfect person. But no, that's that's an excellent way of looking at it, man. And I've never thought about it that way. But yeah, what's the difference? And, you know, if those guys vibe and they want to put out a record, I'm all cool with it. The one thing they can't lose focus on, though, and they've not, is... For the band, for the fans, for the legacy, for the brothers. And I, I think that's awesome. That's you know, who Zach is. That's who he, Zach is. 100%. Yeah. 
And, you know, on the stage show, they got Vinny and Dimes pictures up there in the background. You know, they, they got Zach's got them on his vest, right? St. Diamond, St. Vinny, and this and that. As long as they never lose focus of those guys, I, I would 100% be down for a record. Yeah, for sure. All right, so real quick, we're running along today. Why don't we talk about what Sharon said on the Bill Maher podcast? I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I haven't listened to it either, but apparently Ryan informed us that Sharon said she's wanting to build a Black Sabbath museum in Birmingham. And that would be very cool, right? Dan, you'd be all about that. I would love to go to Birmingham and see some Sabbath memorabilia. It needs to be done. It just needs to be done. It would be amazing. And I think her vision, because you know people can bitch about Sharon, but she has a massive vision, is for it not to only be a museum, but have a also have a side stage where you could have live music and bands play at the Black Sabbath Museum and have a music school for kids to come learn how to play instruments. What a fucking cool idea, man. It's actually a genius idea. And as much as people hate Sharon, she is all about Ozzy's legacy. And I think this is a great way to do that. I'm all for it because I think they deserve way more than just a bench. And I love the bench concept, but they deserve a full museum in Birmingham of where they came from. I think it's a great idea. Great idea. And their guys are getting older. I know I'm only 43 and Dan's only slightly older than me at like 44 or 45. But like as you get older... Yeah, I was throwing you a bone. <laughs> You're only slightly older than me, 44, 45. <laughs> yeah, plus six. <laughs> but, you know, I think you'll agree. As you get older, the less and less you require shit. Do you feel that way? Like the 1, older you get. Percent. Yeah, like when you're 20, you collect every. I collected fucking bottle cans and shit, like pop cans or whatever when I was growing up. Oh, this one's got the reds on it. Cincinnati Reds, I'm going to keep it. Whatever. As you get older, you don't really want things as much as you used to when you were little. So I'm sure all the guys have all kinds of shit in their houses they would love to donate to be seen on display by the fans and stuff that we would eat up seeing Tony's old guitars or Bill's drumsticks or just whatever. It'd be fucking awesome. All the original lyrics they've been posting, right? Absolutely. I love looking at those, man. It's so cool. Maybe yeah. that's what that's leading up to a little bit. Some yeah. of these posts like that. All right. So yeah. I think it's a brilliant idea. Let us know what you think about it. I would make the trip to Birmingham. If I went to go visit London, you know, Birmingham is about two and a half hours, I think, from London. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I would make the effort if it was a museum. I'm not quite sure if I'd do it to go see a bench. It's just reality. Yeah. Love the bench, like you said. And, we, you know, real quick, Ozzy the Bull. I would totally like to see that big, massive fucking bull. Yeah. I think it's huge. Yeah, it is awesome. And they've oh, they unveiled quick. it this week. Yeah, the, as I was going to say, the unveiling. It was nice to see. If you haven't watched the video, we do have it posted on our website. But uh, Ozzy the Bull being unveiled at, at the station in Birmingham. And Ozzy's sister, Jean, was there along That's with Sharon so for the awesome. unveiling. And how yeah. cool was that, man? I love when Ozzy interacts with his siblings and stuff. It's so cool. Yeah, just seeing to be a normal human being like the rest of us. Yeah. And, yep. and seeing it her, humanizes yeah. them, right? Absolutely. And I think that's the charm of the guy. I and I think the people that don't like Ozzy, which mind boggles me, but that's what makes him so likable, is he's very much one of us. More than yeah. anybody else, right? Absolutely. Uh, Ozzy's just one of us. He's a guy that earned this the hard way, right? Mm-hmm. Lived, you know, had holes in his socks, had one pair of shoes with holes in it. I mean, he grew up and had to earn everything he got. He's never forgot that. And so he's many never, people he's never forgot it. So many people do forget that. Yep. There's always been a sense with me that if Ozzy can do it, I can do it. He has that about him that yeah. if he can do it, anyone can do it. So yeah, totally. All right, Dan, that said, are you ready to move on to today's topic? We are, man. I cannot wait to discuss God only knows. And we're also doing dark side blues, which probably won't take up too much time, but today's focus will be God only knows mainly. 
All right. We all know that Dan has like jacked off over this song from like day <laughs> one. So we'll let him start, Dan. When you first heard God Only Knows, what comes to your mind? This is the only song in the listening party that brought a tear to my eye when I heard it for the first time. I was blown away by the chorus. First time I heard this song, I thought Ozzy wrote his Hey Jude. That's how powerful that chorus was to me. Nice. And, and I just thought, oh my gosh, this is an amazing song. And it's difficult because I'm not quite sure, is it a ballad? Is it not a ballad? It has ballad tendencies. Ozzy's melody is very ballady, but the guitar is kind of doomy. So it's kind of weird. You know, I'm not quite sure if it is a ballad. I know Josh didn't think it was a ballad when he first heard it, and I thought it was. But now a year later, I'm kind of 50-50 on it. I feel like the guitars are very heavy. It reminds me a lot of You Won't Change Me in a way off of Technical Ecstasy, which has super heavy, doomy guitars. But Ozzy's delivery is very ballady on that yeah. song. Is that a ballad? I'm not quite sure. I'd say You Won't Change Me is definitely not a ballad, but it's got that vibe. Same as See You on the Other Side. I feel like it's kind of in that park. The guitars are rocking on it. I'm over the moon of this song. I do think it's better than A Thousand Shades. I think this is on par with Holy for Tonight. This is the type of song that I wish Ozzy would do a full album of. I really yeah. would. I think this is Ozzy that is most comfortable at his best at the end of the day. I think it's incredible. So real quick, before I just want to read uh, the stats on it real quick. God Only Knows was written by Ozzy, Andrew Watt, Ali Tamposi, and Taylor Hawkins. So not as many songwriters on this as a lot of other tracks on the record. Just the four. It features Ozzy on lead vocals, Andrew Watt on guitar, Zach Wilde on guitar, which I think you can hear his contributions again. Andrew Watt is also on bass and keyboards. And the drums is the late, great Taylor Hawkins, who I think does a fantastic job on this song. And Josh Homey plays lead guitar from Caius and Queens of the Stone Age. And we'll get into the guitar solo here in a second. So, Josh, what is your first impression of God Only Knows? And where does it stand from today compared to when we first heard it at the studio? So, is it a ballad? We all know my opinion on the ballads on this record. This record doesn't have any ballads except for the two ballads. We've already established that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is one of the two ballads. I do see it as a ballad, but like you said, it's a dark ballad. It's See you on the other side is a perfect example of where I place this song from a standpoint of what style of Aussie song it is. Lyrically, I think it's meant to be ballady with the content of what he's trying to get at, but it definitely has a doomy sound like you mentioned i wonder if any like a fender baritone guitar i'm not sure if me or our listeners are with those but there are these guitars that fender makes they have crazy heavy strings they're like in between a bass and a normal electric guitar and they have a really brassy heavy sound it kind of has that vibe to it maybe i'm wrong andrew watt does like to experiment with shit like that you know for he's sure not above playing a telecaster or something on this album where he plays strats a lot actually so i wondered almost if it's not one of those like a baritone guitar to give it that really brassy, bassy sound. Definitely has a doom vibe, but like I said, the lyrical content is definitely more of a ballad. I think Ozzy's delivery is too. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think this song Ozzy sounds incredible on. I really do. I love the outro. You know, I love when Ozzy does outros all the way back to Sweet Leaf through today. I just, there's something about Ozzy outros. Back on Earth has a great one. I just want you probably the best of his career. This would be a good topic to have maybe someday, Josh, but I love the yeah, yeah, at the end. And, you know, I just, I love that outro. I think the chorus is inspiring. It's uplifting. I feel emotional when I hear it. I, I just think they knocked it out of the park on this song. Melodies yeah. are through the roof. And 
piggybacking on what you just said about that closing of the song, the great way to close the record. I know it does come back in with Dark Side Blues, but let's be clear. Dark Side Blues is a bonus track that's like a tack-on thing. This was a perfect album closer. The yeah, 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 God only knows. That is the perfect Amazing. way to end the album. The same way we wanted Holy Fortune Night to end Ordinary Man, and it didn't. Then they come back with It's a Raid, which seemed so out of place. Sequencing is a lost art in music, and that's a prime example is Holy Fortune Night and It's a Raid. They should have been flip-flop those, and you're perfect. But yeah, God only knows is the perfect way to end this record. And even going into Dark Side Blues doesn't really ruin it because it's so brief, and it's kind of, you, you know, it's kind of a tack on moment, right? But yeah, I totally agree. And the standout thing in this song, aside from Ozzy's melodies and the vocal delivery, is the guitar solo. And I know you said earlier we'll talk about that. I'm ready to dive into that. Give me your initial thoughts when you first heard the guitar solo and now and how it's changed. I think the guitar solo then and now is both underwhelming. Shockingly. I, and I like Josh Homey. He's a great player. But I think the problem with it is it's too long. It's like a minute and 10 seconds. And I just don't think it's interesting enough to go a minute and 10 seconds of what he's playing. I think if they would have cut that in half to a 30, 35 second solo, took the best bits of it, we would have been onto something here. And I think it would have been a more memorable, enjoyable solo. But why did they give him a minute and 10 seconds to solo over? That's a, hard, that's a lot to write. I mean, I write solos constantly. Typically, my solos are about 35 to 42 seconds. And that takes a while to write a whole solo for a minute, unless your name is Zach Wild. It's just too much. And I think it's okay. And there are bits and pieces where I go, oh, that's a cool little run he's doing. Oh, that's a cool little rhythmic part he's got. And I think there are bits and pieces there. It just went on way too long. And I do think it knocks the song down from one of the all-time greatest to an incredible great song. And I think if it would have had a great guitar solo on it to boot, I think it would have been better because... I don't think that the solo matches the emotion of Ozzy's vocals enough. So I have a lot of strong thoughts on this guitar solo. For one, a friend of mine who's not so much of a friend these days, he got mad at me over this show one time and told me to, to fuck off. But he, one of our arguments we had right before he did that was, he said it, it comes in like a moose fart. And it does. And it's a bit powerful. When you first hear it the first time, you're kind of like, what is that? A year later, that doesn't bother me at all. Like, I don't hear that anymore. Like, it, it doesn't stick out to me anymore. I, it just is part of the song. I, it don't bother me. Well, if you smelt shit for a year, you'd probably get used to that, too. Exactly, right? <laughs> I will agree. I think the solo is underwhelming. 100% you nailed it when you said it goes a little too long. So I've had the impression from day one that they've tried to do their version of Purple Rain with this guitar solo. Even the way it wails in. That's what Purple Rain does, the exact same thing. Purple Rain in originality it was like a seven minute guitar solo right it's and they it's edited amazing it and and yeah. prince just slays on it man yeah and they edit down to what you know what we get on the album though which is like what like four minutes or something of him just ripping everyone knows this more prince is a fucking amazing guitar player but that's beside the point i'm with you i think that's what they were trying to do with this one but i'm with you when i when you say it went too long and i'll tell you right when it goes too long when it goes to those minor notes and it starts going downward kind of descending it's like down down you're like okay right there it should have been over right there but then i love the right before it kicks back in i love that lick but yeah just a little bit too long i think they were trying to do purple rain i think they failed the solo side of purple rain on that but i think that's what they had in mind don't you think he doesn't also match the emotion of the song agreed 
Yeah. But I think in their mind, that big bassy tone and that, that the squealing coming in, that I keep doing that. Sorry, Alicia. I was like, this comes in. I think that's what they were trying to do. That was fake emotion. I think they were trying to give you emotion with the tone, but Prince gave his emotion with his hands. I would have loved to have heard Eric Clapton on this song. 100%. Or even Jeff Beck again. Yeah. Right? Or Jeff Beck. I was going to say yeah. that, but he was on too. I think this should have also gone to Eric Clapton because Clapton is an emotional player. And I think he would have done a great job with his great bends that he has and just that feeling. And sometimes the notes you don't play are really important. And I think Absolutely. that's where Eric Clapton is incredible at. And I think he would have just knocked this one out of the park. And I think they Good made call. a mistake and gave josh homie the wrong song at the end of the day they should have put him on dead and gone or something no i think you're right and that's a good call like when you consider that eric had a beef with one of those days one of those days that you don't believe in jesus he had a problem with that whereas lyrically this song he would have ate up because it's more of god only knows what's going on watching the children play with guns right and yeah. all these topics that it touches that eric probably would have had a, a strong opinion on in a, in a positive way so he probably would have preferred to be on this track <laughs> lyrically. It's a great yeah, point, man. He he would have been really good on this one. I agree. And it's not to knock Josh. He's a great player, but it just something's just a little off with that. I agree. Yeah. And I think that is going to reflect in my ranking because everything else about this song screams what Dan loves about Ozzy. Honestly, you know, I like the music of the song. I think Andrew Watt knocked it out of the park. I think Ali Tamposi kills the lyrics. And of course, for me personally, one of Ozzy's best melodies throughout. Now, I would say it doesn't have a bridge. I wish it did have a bridge. They could have shortened that solo and added a key change or something to, yeah. to make the song have those classic Ozzy bridges that he does so well. And I think I just wish they would have done that. And I think this song would have been one of the greatest Ozzy ballads ever if they would have made just those slight changes. Yeah, it's great. But it feels like this is the one that they didn't put as much effort into as the others a little bit. Like, oh, it's good enough. It's great. Move on. Whereas the others, they thought like they put the time into always taking the extra step. And this one, maybe not so much. Yeah. I mean, at least they gave Ozzy the outro, which I think makes up for a lot of it. Again, make no mistake, listeners. This is one of my favorite songs on the record. I think if they would have done like Josh is saying and gave it just a little bit more love and care and tenderness, it could have been an all-time great Ozzy song. It still is for me. I'm not going to lie. But I think it could have been way up there with the greatest of the greats, the So Tireds, the See You on the Other Sides, if they would have just made these small changes. Yeah, I agree totally. But like I said earlier, sequencing was great also. And I think the sequencing makes the song a little better too. I, I yeah. love where it's placed. Do you want to dive into the lyrics? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I will say I am disappointed there is no bridge on this song. You know, Aussie bridges are incredible. This song's built for it. Yeah, it really is. All of his ballads are built for it. The bridge on tonight is still one of my favorite moments in music history. Oh, man. Before we get started, I want to bring up our listener, Dan Kushney. And Dan is a great guy and always participates. And we love the participation. So thank you, Dan. And he brought up a really good point to me last week on Dead and Gone, where he said that he feels like they were purposely trying to emulate Crazy Train. And once he oh. told me, it really made sense because... The verses of Crazy Train is very societal, right? Talking about the Cold War and all these large, big problems. And then the chorus you have, I'm going off the rails on a Crazy Train, which becomes very personal, and they don't really connect very well. And I remember True. talking last week that that's my big problem with Dead and Gone, which is I don't feel like the lyrical content in the chorus matches the verses. But I thought it was a great observation dan and thanks for sending my way what do you think of that josh before we get to yeah 
Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, I can see that. I think when you have multiple lyricists on a song, that just happens sometimes, right? People are coming from a different perspective. I agree. No, no matter what Bob says, I guarantee Ozzy came up with I'm going off the rails on a crazy train. He could talk about Randy having trained models and him having trained this and trained that. That lick and that chorus is clearly Ozzy riffing off the top of his head. All right, so God Only Knows, written mostly by Ali Tamposi, I'm sure, with Ozzy sprinkled in. So verse one. This song, by the way, guys, if you've not heard it, is incredible. The melody of the verses, Ozzy is so vulnerable and emotional here. It's incredible. Face down on the pavement like a wounded animal. Don't know if I'll make it, but I'm giving up control. Man, already I got goosebumps. The sky is laughing at me. Great delivery on that line by Ozzy. Shivers through my bones. Does it have to end so badly? Am I out here on my own? All right, Josh. So I just think this is about a guy who is literally dying and he's looking back at his life and he doesn't want to die alone. Wounded, like a wounded animal face down on the pavement. The sky's laughing at him. Does it have to end so badly, you know, with all of Ozzy's surgeries and, you know, all the shit he's going through? Is there anybody else out there, meaning God, maybe? Am I out here on my own? What do you think? I think the same thing you just said. I think this is kind of Ozzy's take on his own health and his own well-being at the time just being so frustrated and still is you know we talked about it earlier in the show still being so frustrated with his health issues and that he just never seems to get better he keeps thinking i'll do the surgery to get better it never seems to always get worse and worse and the sky's laughing at me fate is laughing at me is it ever going to get better and i come from this with the same perspective that you do that this is about his own well-being so the chorus comes in god only knows what's going on my life has become the saddest song Great lyric. Better oh, to yeah. burn in hell than fade away. Fade away. I always think of that line from the Highlander movie. Yes, I'm a geek. God's looking down on what we've done, watching the children play with guns. Better to burn in hell than fade away. Fade away. Again, when I first heard the song in Sirius XM Studios in California with you, Josh, I thought this song was going to be about society, almost like Ozzy talking about where we are in the world today. But yeah. I don't think it's that at all. I actually think this is a very personal song. So that has changed with me over the year listening to it. What I take out of that is God only knows what's going on. My right, my life has become the saddest song. He's reaching out for God for an answer. And I guess he's realizing I'd rather live my life the way I had than fade away, right? Like an ordinary man. So he's talking about how he's happy with the way he's lived his life. He'd rather burn in hell than just fade away, never being uh, remembered, which I think is really important. And then the next line, God's looking down on what we've done, watching the children play with guns, obviously is, is more of a society condemnation, but I think it talks about God not interfering in that. How's he going to interfere in my life and my suffering? That's an excellent, excellent observation. The whole time I came from this song, the same perspective you are right now, that it's Ozzy's well-being, like I said a second ago. But that line's always bothered me, watching the children play with guns. And I was always like, well, is that just saying Everything going on in the world, okay, that doesn't totally fit, but I see what you're saying. If Ozzy's watching the children, Ozzy is God, so technically I kind of get that right. right. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) If God is watching children play with guns and he's not going to intervene with that, then he's clearly not going to intervene with my issues, right? I never thought about that till just now, but that's solid as shit, man. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I've always wondered where that line came from, and I think you kind of just answered that for me. Thanks, man. I think that's the only real answer for that. So we go to verse 2. Ozzy's so goddamn good. Someone show me mercy because I got nowhere to go. 
the good times always hurt me. Is it safer down below? It's hard. I, I'm reading this, but I'm hearing Ozzy sing, and I can't re- even bring the context of what I'm reading because of Ozzy's delivery and melody is so good. So good. Yeah. Wonder what comes after. Will we do it all again? Things that used to matter. They don't matter in the end. Great ending to that stanza, man. Great. Things that used to matter. They don't matter in the end is so awesome. And I think, again, those are very self-explanatory. You know, wonder what comes after. Will we do it again? Talking about reincarnation. Do we go to heaven? Do we go to hell? You know, it's a very thought-provoking song that I think has got super intelligent intellectual lyrics. And I think Ali Tamposi really, really did knock it out of the park. And I love the summer show me mercy because I got nowhere to go. Right. It's just incredible, man. What a great, great stanza. It's very obvious what this stanza is about. It's just about someone contemplating their death and what they've done in their life. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I agree totally. And it's never going to get better. It's giving up. Right. And just where they stand, like you said, one thing I wanted to jump on real quick. Someone show me mercy because I got nowhere to go. I love how right there the bass and drums drop out and all you have is Ozzy and his oh. melody and the guitar. It's yeah. so fucking good. It's so common in rock and roll for the guitar to drop out and the bass and drums are going with the vocals, but it's so rare to have the guitar and vocal only no bass and drums. And I love that little subtle drop. It's one of those things that if you aren't paying attention, you don't even notice it. But then when it slides back into the groove, the second half of the verse, when he says, wonder what comes after, will we do it all again? Things that used to matter. They don't matter in the end. The groove comes back into the track. They're back in the pocket and everything's just flowing again. It's so fucking good, man. It's such a good transition. But things that used to matter, they don't matter in the end. That line has always stuck out to me also because there's so many things we get wound up about in life. And at the end of the day, they don't mean shit. Right. You know, like tomorrow, it'll be not a big deal. And things that used to matter, they don't matter in the end because at the end of the day, your loved ones, your children, your, you know, that's what matters. And, you know, your spouse and things like that. Your legacy, what you've done, and your you know, legacy, what you, yeah, yeah, what you've done to help society. I, that's a big one yeah. for me. That's what's going to matter in the end more than my CD collection. Yeah, <laughs> even though it matters a lot to me, but at the end of the day, but it's things that be used my, to matter, money, having money, yeah, things like right. that, it don't matter in the end, right? Yeah, it's great Love lyric. It. So there's not a lot of lyrics to the song. I'm just going to read the chorus one more time. God only knows what's going on. My life has become the saddest song. Better to burn in hell than fade away. God's looking down on what we've done, watching the children play with guns, better to burn in hell than fade away, fade away. And then we have that long solo, another chorus, and then that kick-ass outro with the fade away, fade away, God only knows what's going on. That again has the, the see you on the other side vibe, right, with the outro. Very similar right there, see you on the other side again. Great call, one of his best outros ever. That's awesome, that's perfect. That's exactly what it recalls. Yeah. Excellent. I love the melodies on this song. To be honest... This is my favorite song on the record from a melody standpoint. You know, I know you're not going to see eye to eye with me on this. No, but I, it's, it's up there. It's a top three melody for sure on the app. I agree with that. And I think melodies are so strong for me, especially for Ozzy, more than anybody else walking the face of this earth, because Ozzy's melodies are the holy grail. And I think that his melody is so good on this song that I can overlook the less than satisfying guitar solo to make this song Absolutely incredible. And his phrasing on some of these words and lines. He has some really good phrasing on this song. There's a lot of emotion and heart that goes into the vocal performance on this one. Oh, you just, what a great performance. The guy is singing his ass off on this song. And if people aren't hearing it, yeah, auto-tune this, auto-tune that, whatever. You could hear the emotion, the vulnerability, and the passion, and the incredible notes this guy's hitting in his 70s. And the guy sounds better than ever. I mean, hats off to Ozzy on this track. He sounds incredible. 
And I think that's part of what our love affair has been with Holly for tonight. It's very similar. There's a passion in his vocal on that track that you and I have both picked up on. And God only knows has it. Ozzy, this is what he wants to do. You know, he did tell Andrew what we want to have your record, him and Sharon. We want to have your record. We want to say they do. But Ozzy's wheelhouse is these fucking ballads, man, especially right now. And like you said earlier, he could do an album of ballads and it would be phenomenal. I, I've said for years, I've told Zach Wilde's wife, Barbara, and myself, talk to Zach about talking to Ozzy about getting together and doing an acoustic record. It'd be fucking great. I like how you whispered that, by the way. Like, we're not putting that out there on the podcast. <laughs> right? Classic well, her, her response to me was, I'd love to hear that also, but that's Ozzy's decision. <laughs> Which it is, and we know that. This is what Ozzy wants to do. And for the record, I will say one more time. Imagine Zach Wilde's Book of Shadows, but with Ozzy on vocals. Yeah. That would be fucking shit hot, man. It would be That'd amazing. Be Absolutely yeah. amazing. I always thought it'd be great to hear Ozzy do kind of like that. Remember when Unplugged was all the rage back in the day? I thought it'd been cool for Ozzy to do some of his classics rearranged for acoustic guitar because I think he would have nailed it. Speaking of Barbara Ann Wild, I need to throw her a shout out. She's really good to me and Dan. She likes to chat with us sometimes and shoot the bull. She's excellent. Amazing. I do want to say, we forgot to mention that last episode. So at the end of The Evil Shuffle, we were questioning what was screamed at the end of that track. And I teased we might reach out to someone and ask if they know the answer to that. Well, that person was Barbara Ann Wild, and she did get back to us and said that she didn't know that she would ask Zach. And then the next day, she messaged us and said Zach didn't know either. He's never heard it. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> there it is. That's so Zach. it's obviously not Zach saying it. It's obviously not Zach. Well, it could anything. be. Who knows what gets captured in the studio? Could be. Yeah, he could have just been screaming in the, in real time and didn't realize that it picked up. Yeah, it could be. But that was a great response. And we went to share that with you guys on the last episode and forgot. But yeah, so Zach's not even aware of it. Doesn't know what it is. She didn't know. We were hoping to get a sweet answer on that one. But the, the, the mystery remains unsolved. All right. So let's move on to Dark Side Blues. We are going to cover this real quick. It is the 13th track on the record. And I think Josh would agree with me. In my brain, patient number nine only has 12 songs. Yeah. This is clearly a throwaway. Even more so. Then I love you all off a of scream. This is even more of a throwaway to me than that. And that's a throwaway. It's funny because I love, you know, part one. I think, you know, part one is flipping incredible. Melody's so damn good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting for a full version or a part two. Tim Palmer, please, please record a part two with Ozzy because that song is incredible. And we want a three and a half, four minute version of it. Maybe because it was on Ordinary Man is a Japanese bonus track, so you and I were very familiar with it. And I'll always remember, Josh, to the day I die, you and I sitting there when it came on thinking and looking at each other, is this going to be a full version? Is this going to be a new version? Did they write the whole track? Is it going to be like a three and a half, four minute song now? And unfortunately, it was the exact same version that was on the Ordinary Man record, except heavily, heavily drenched in effects and reverb, which I think sounds god-awful. So before I dive into any lyrics or anything like that, Josh, what do you think of Dark Side Blues? Well, you just nailed it. When they announced Dark Side Blues as a track, not even a bonus track, just a track on the album, we were just convinced it was a completed version. Because Ozzy, you know, he's been writing on Dark Side Blues since Ozzy and Jack's World Detour. He'd go around singing that all the time. I love my heart in the dark side of the city. And Jack was like, Dad, write that song. I'm tired of hearing you sing that all the time. So that song goes way back with Ozzy, that melody, those lyrics. And I thought, finally, a finished version. I was pumped for it, actually. One day, not long before we got to hear the track, Dan or Ryan one was like, I guarantee you it's the exact same version. And I'm like, surely not. And surely, yes, it was the same version. But like Dan <laughs> said, worse, because they drenched it in reverb. And 
in, in the South, we call that slapback. Yeah. And a bunch of slapback, and it doesn't even sound as clear and audible. I, I don't know what the point of that was. You have 16 tracks to play with, well, including that one, 15, and then that track. The need to throw that on there is very odd to me, especially when it was already released as a bonus track on Ordinary Man in Japan. Very awkward. I prefer the Ordinary Man version, hands down. I do like it. I'm a bluesy guy. I love obviously playing the harmonica. I like the melody. I like the lyrics, you know. It's classic blues that Buddy Guy would sing, right? She stole my heart, so I stole her purse kind of stuff, right? Stole her ring. Totally unnecessary and just didn't seem to fit. I didn't see the point in this. Yeah, I don't either. And I love the melody. That's the sad part. The, that yeah. first melody is incredible that Ozzy came up with. And it's such a throwaway track. I much prefer the Ordinary Man version. I do. Is it Ryan that prefers the Patient Number 9 version? I don't think so. I don't think so. There's somebody in my life. My, maybe it's my brother prefers the Patient Number 9 version. And I don't by a long shot. It's awful, to be honest. I barely listen to it and it drives me crazy because sometimes, you know, I'll listen to my Spotify. So what Spotify, I like take the band you listen to a lot and make a playlist. And I was going through a timer. It always threw dark side blues on there for my Aussie song. <laughs> and I was getting like mad. Cause I'm like, come it's on, a, man. You know? It's the top 25 most listened to track on your Spotify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So the cool thing about this song, obviously it's written by Ozzy and Andrew Watt. It only features Ozzy and Andrew Watt. Watt's playing slide guitar and Ozzy's on vocals. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but I'm pretty certain they started the sessions with this to relax Ozzy. Let's do something you know. We'll do like a classic blues jam just to get him kind of relaxed and singing instead of being like uncomfortable. So I think that they did a great job with that. Yeah. And Ozzy comes in with what he knows. Again, going back to Ozzy and Jack's World Detour. He was singing that melody and those lines for years leading up to that. Dad, write that song. It's getting old. I'm tired of hearing you sing it all the time. So clearly it's something Ozzy's had in his back pocket for a while, the melody and then those lyrics. You know, like you said, it's a fun track initially with the Ordinary Man version. I, I just don't understand doing it again on this one. If they had finished it out, I think we all would have loved it. But it just is what it is. It's unnecessary. We already had it. Bring on the three more tracks that we haven't heard yet. We're ready for those. Yeah, with Taylor Hawkins, right? I mean, come on. Yep. Some assholes, not naming names, Josh and Dan, you know, spend 45, 50 bucks on the Japanese version of Ordinary Man to get that track. And I'll tell you, I was really disappointed when I got it being a minute and 40. I mean, I do like the song, but even getting that Japanese bonus track, I was like, I can't believe I paid 50 bucks for a minute and 40 song. You Will know, you do it again in a heartbeat? We would, of course. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Could say Ozzy drinking out of a toilet. I'd be like, all right, I'm buying it. We'll see what it is. I just don't understand. And if they were going to put it on the record, why add the effects? Why just not leave the original version? Because it's cleaner and clearer. I just don't get why they added the effects. I don't either. So let me go through the lyrics real quick. It starts off with the all right. Ozzy's playing that harmonica. He kind of does that melody on the harmonica, which is really cool. Let me get... I left my heart in the dark side of the city. I left my soul outside the gateway to hell. I think that's actually incredible lyrics. <laughs> that's a man. great line. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Mr. Eddie Trunk, guess who wrote those lyrics, by the way? Okay. She was my girl, which is probably my favorite delivery on the song, is that line. She was cute and she was pretty. And then I stole a diamond ring as well. All right. And then he has the classic, haha, that's jazz. And that's the whole song. It's really easy. I don't even know if we have a meaning behind it. It's Ozzy riffing off the top of his head. He had that melody stuck in his brain for years, and he finally got it out a little bit. But like you talked about, it's just a classic blues thing about 
a girl breaking his heart. So he stole her diamond ring as well. I thought that ring. was yeah. And the accent, because he does say a diamond ring as well, but it's that accent, a diamond ring, which is her diamond ring as well. But yeah. It's it, a diamond ring as well. That awesome. heavy British accent. Yeah. I, I just love, you know, I left my soul outside yeah. the gateway to hell. Such a classic Aussie line. And it reminds me of something off of Damaged Soul. Like that lyric could have been in Damaged Soul, which I 100%. love. Love the lyrics to Damaged Soul, man. I, I think Geezer wrote those. They're incredible. And I think Damaged Soul is as good as anything off of the first album for the most part. But we'll get into our 13 yeah. discussion someday. But it's such an underrated track. So that's Dark Side Blues. There's not really much to it. It's minute 47 seconds, but it rounds out the album. Like I said, when I listen to the record, I don't even count that it's there. I end with God only knows. Yeah. And let's be clear. Dan and I aren't totally shitting on this track. It's just that it was already released on Ordinary Man. It's the same thing again. So it was like, why do that? I love to hear Ozzy play harmonica. I think he's he's not the greatest player, but he's better than some people want to give him credit for. The harmonica before Eat Me is actually this. I don't know. If is it the same melody? Hmm. Never really picked up on that. To yeah. Give that a good listen now. The Angelic Sessions on the Black Sabbath live album that they put out after the, the final show in Birmingham, right? And Ozzy's shredding some harmonica before The Wizard. And what's weird is on the version they put online of The Wizard, they cut that out. And I'm like, why don't they have in the, like one minute of Ozzy shredding that harmonica for fans? We love that shit. If you haven't watched that, go watch the Angelic Sessions playing like four songs after the final show of Black Sabbath in Birmingham, England. They smoke The Wizard, but Ozzy puts some excellent harmonica before they go into that. It's really fun to watch. I think that's a great point. I love his harmonica playing. I'm not a big harmonica fan. You know that. But Ozzy playing, it's cool. And I love his live version of The Wizard when he's just jamming on it. It's so killer. Hey, what do you think? We're done with the whole patient number nine recording sessions. I think it was incredible. I love that we did this. I hope the listeners enjoyed it. Now we get to do our favorite part, which is... Rankings. 12 to 1. 12 being our least liked song. 1 being our favorite song. We do this for every deep dive. And basically, guys, this is basically the deep dive of patient number nine. We just broke it down song by song. Kind of makes me realize I know how we're going to go back talking about albums in a regular setting when we've just talked about like this episode is going to be, you know, almost 90 minutes. We're talking about two songs. So it's going to be interesting to go back to the old way of doing yeah. things. Right, Josh? Yeah, well, it's going to be kind of tough to sit back and not break down every single line of every single song, but we'll have to force ourselves to do it, I suppose. Or we can, yeah, not. Right. We can, we can go track by track. Like, Yeah. Uh, I know some of our other podcast friends do that exact thing where they just talk about a single song. So maybe yeah. we'll do that. It's a great That's idea. what I was thinking. Maybe. All right. So let's talk about our list and we don't have to give a long answer just a quick little recap of why it's there you know we've talked about these songs ad nauseum so let's just give a quick recap why don't you start we're going 12 through one we are not including dark side blues in this because that would obviously be 13 on all of our lists yeah so and again the precursor we love this fucking record man so number 12 on this record is probably number six on ordinary man or seven so like we love them all this album is fucking stellar that said Number 12 for me is Evil Shuffle. Nice. Nice choice. My number 12 is also Evil Shuffle. I mm. love it. And I remember texting Josh a couple of months ago going, God, I love Evil Shuffle. It's so strange, but it's the least liked song on the it's, record. It's their least liked song on the album, but yet when we're in SXM and Zach's shredding that solo, we're just like nudging each other like, fuck yeah. Like yeah. Zach's killing it, you know? And awesome. here it sits, bottom of the fucking barrel, but still a fucking awesome barrel, right? Number 11 for me, it's the Grammy Award-winning Degradation Rules featuring Tony Iommi. All right. All right. Okay. My number 11 is No Escape From Now featuring the one and only Tony Iommi. 
God, that hurts. I get it, I'm though, man. sorry. Matter yeah. of fact, it's by far my least listened to song on the record. I actually listen to Evil Shuffle more, but I do like No Escape from Now just a smidge better. I think maybe it's just because the Sabbath hook for you is a little more tired right now. You know, we did have 13. And- I also think it's a little over-exaggerated that that song is better than most of 13. I'm a big lover of 13, and I think that song would have been a good middle of the road from the 13 sessions. I mean, that's still impressive, but I, I yeah. don't think it's a top three song off 13. I just don't. No, I agree with you. I think on 13, it's five. I'd say six or seven. 13 is fucking great, man. We'll, we'll, I can't wait to get into that one. All right. So that brings us to number 10. For me, that is the one we discussed today. God only knows oh. Dan's face right now. Oh, man. Ouch. <laughs> and Ouch. let me be clear. We said it in the episode earlier. Ozzy's melody and delivery is what makes it what it is. There's the other parts that fail for me. I don't know if I could continue. <laughs> I might be bringing in my resignation. Oh, that hurts. My God. All right. My number 10 is the Grammy Award winning Degradation Rules with Tony Iommi. Number nine for me. This one's going to hurt Dan also. Sorry, Ryan. Mr. Darkness. Holy shit. Oh, God, it's I, so low. It hurts me to say it. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my God. Josh is clearly on drugs, ladies and gentlemen. That one is mind-blowing. I get God only knows, but that I do not get. Yeah. All right. My know. number nine is Dead and Gone. I see. That one hurts me. Ouch. Yeah. Number eight for me, Parasite. Usually, Dan and I are totally on par. I think we're opposite par this time. Yeah, <laughs> we are. As I read these. <laughs> crazy. I know who's more on my page is definitely Ryan for sure. I think so. My number eight is Immortal. All right. That brings me to number seven, which is One of Those Days featuring Eric Clapton. It's a great song. So this is the part of the record. Five, six, and seven. I'm just going to give the caveat. Could be different every day. Those three in particular are neck and neck for me that it just is tough. I think you're right with that. I agree. Yeah. For me today, number seven is A Thousand Shades featuring the great Jeff Beck. Yeah, we've joked about the middle four thing, that they're all in the middle four. But they that, that middle four is just so fucking tight, man. It's just hard to get it right. You had Mr. Darkness at nine, man. My God. <laughs> it, did, it made the bottom four. Oh, gosh. And number six for me is Dead and Gone. And that one really hurts me to say because I really want it in that top four. It's a great track. I mean, it's way down on my list, but it's still an incredible track. My number six is... The very catchy one of those days with Eric Clapton on guitar. I, I do think it's a great song, very high up on my list. And I think Ozzy sounds great. It's a fun song for me. That brings me to number five, which is Tony Iommi's No Escape from Now. Fucking great song. I will never hear this song, Dan. When it kicks in and goes to the, to the heavy section and not picture Jose Mangan headbanging and putting his fist in the air, his devil horns in the air and just rocking in that studio. Listen to that song twice with him. And it was fucking amazing. My number five, this one has moved up the most on my list, by the way, is the emotional Nothing Feels Right. The upper four. So my number four is the song that for me keeps growing as the album is worn on a year later. I like it more every listen, and that would be A Thousand Shades. If we would have done this listing eight months ago, A Thousand Shades probably would have been around track nine or ten. It's a great song. Absolutely. It's a great song. And Jeff Beck's playing in this one is better than it is on patient number nine, I think. Yeah. Like I said, five, six, and seven for me are all interchangeable. They're all incredible. So my number four, ladies and gentlemen, is basically Josh's bottom four. So why don't we go ahead and get that started right now? My number four is the Groove Aladdin Parasite. 
I think it's incredible. Super catchy. I love it. All right. That brings us to the top three. Da -da -da -da. My number three is the ever catchy should have been a single immortal. I'm surprised you kept it that high. It's pretty, incredible. you know, when I actually listed them today, I started to drop it because it has slid for me a touch. But when I look back over the past year, I've held this one at such a high regard. I mean, for the longest time, I claimed it should have been the first single. Right. So I was like, you know, I, I got to stick my laurels on that. For me, placed at number three, maybe the perfect spot. It really is a great song. It was eight on my list, which is that middle four, which is incredible. None of my songs changed. So if I said it was a middle four when we did the episode, it stayed in middle four. So I, I was very cognizant to keep that just as well, I was I not. So, yeah, I know. My, my list was made today. So. <laughs> well, I will tell you, every song was in the middle four, upper middle four. So you had no choice. <laughs> All right. My number three is the amazing, emotional, incredible lyrics song we discussed today. God only knows. It's high, man. I love it, though. I love it. It's so great, though. Again, this speaks to the depth of the record that we're so off on this one. Because Dan and I usually, if you've listened to this show, you know we're usually pretty on par with each other. And we're off on this one, but that speaks to the depth of the record. And the Definitely. consistency of the album, right? So number two for me is the awesome Nothing Feels Right. Yeah, I knew you really liked that one, which you did not yeah. like the first time you heard it. Yeah, oddly yeah. enough. Yeah. I was like, this is a single. We're in yeah. trouble. We're in trouble, yeah. yeah. You were you were so underwhelmed, man. Well, and with that and, and degradation rules back to back, it was kind of like, oh man, like I don't know. I remember you telling me, I think Ordinary Man's going to be the better record. Yeah, once nothing feels I right, I was convinced. Out. So I love nothing feels right. That one moved up a lot for me, man. That went to number five for me on my list. So I I get it. I think it has the best guitar solo on the record too. My number two is the title track, Patient Number Nine. I don't think it has lost an ounce of its amazing style, how different it is for Ozzy. I think it is an all-time classic Ozzy track, and it is a great song that I'm so glad that he's recorded in his you know, late in life. It's incredible. We are so lucky to have a song as good as Patient Number 9. Absolutely. And you know, that brings me to my number one, which is obviously the title track, Patient Number 9. You know, When we first heard Ozzy say, we're already working on another album, Right. He, he announced that when they released Ordinary Man, we're already working on another album. And it wasn't, but a few months later, we got this song called Patient Number Nine. He was so quick to throw that title yeah. out there. Like we've known this title for years, like two years before the album came out, that there was a song called Patient Number Nine. So clearly he was very excited about it. Like I said earlier in the episode, it just holds true. Here we are a year out, over a year out for this track. And it's an Aussie classic. Bottom line, it's an all time Aussie classic. It's my favorite track on the record. So my number one. If you're paying attention, I've not said this track, and I pretty much alluded to it when we did the episode, and I know our great friend Ryan Beavers is going to 100% agree with me on this. The greatest Ozzy song, maybe, of the 21st century, and that is Mr. Darkness. I can't believe that is in your bottom four. That is a disgrace, sir. Mr. <laughs> Darkness is everything I want in an Aussie track. It's got mellow, it's got heavy, it's got slow, it's got up-tempo, and it's got emotional, vulnerable Aussie vocals. It's got great lyrics that I thought we did a great job of talking about, and it also has a great guitar solo from Zach Wilde. I just think Mr. Darkness is probably going to be my favorite Andrew Watt-era track, even better than Under the Graveyard. Wow. And, I, and Holy for Tonight. I don't know how he can beat it. That's how much I love Mr. Yeah. Darkness. Yeah, I love it. Great call. 
I know Ryan, like I said, he's, that's definitely his pick. We don't even have to ask him. I love Mr. Darkness. The fact that it's number nine for me just again speaks to the volumes of the record, man. I mean, that's crazy to me, man. I don't it, understand what is not connecting. To me, I mean, my number nine is Dead and Gone, but that's at least your number six. Right. I, I mean, my number one track is your number nine. I don't yeah. know if we've ever been that far off. I don't Your number one track is off. my number two track. So, we, you know, we're, we're at least connecting yeah. there. I don't know yeah. what we are missing there, Josh. That's crazy to me. It's it's totally me. I know when we done that that episode, it made me think a lot harder about this track. And I listened to it so much before and after we recorded that episode. Mm-hmm. Not that and hard. it is so fucking good, man. It is so good. There's no question about it. And it probably should be higher up my list. But at the same time, my list is what it is. Eat it. So this is what I've just learned. How Ryan hates over the mountain, Josh hates Mr. Darkness. <laughs> but it. we all know that Mr. Darkness is better than over the mountain, so whatever. <laughs> it's, damn, it's damn close, I'll tell you that much. Hey, man, Mr. Darkness is awesome, man. I think it's it is. incredible. I just want to thank you for doing this, man, and thank you, listeners, for taking this journey with us because I do think it was an incredibly entertaining journey. It really gave legs to this album, not that it needs it, I do think it's safe to say for me personally, it's my favorite Aussie record since Osmosis. Easy. And I think I like it better than maybe some of the ones before Osmosis. And that's crazy. Yeah. But I, I, there's one, maybe two, that I like it better than from the classic seven. I think Ozzy and Andrew Watt and Ali Tamposi and Chad Smith and Robert Trujillo and, of course, Zach Wilde and Taylor Hawkins. Duff McKagan had a big part. I think everybody stepped up to the plate and made a classic record. Yeah. Honestly. Absolutely. And I agree totally. I know when patient number nine first came out, I said the fact that it's even getting revered as versus no more tears. I mean, the fact that it's even in that ballpark says so much. And how ironic that we finished this patient number nine series the same week, literally two days after we went to Sirius XM Studios and listened to the album for the first time together. So Kind of a cool way to gift wrap this and put a bow on it. Literally one year, almost to the day that we did that. So amazing timing to finish this up and release it. But that said, I'm glad it's over with. Now we can move back to the other episodes and kind of you know venture out there and really pick our brains about what we want to do next. And we need the listeners to pitch in. Let us know what you want to hear us do. Dan and I have been talking about it for the past few weeks, what we might want to dive into after the Patient Number 9 series is over. And the time is finally here. So now we've got to start really talking seriously about it. But yeah, yeah, it's been fun talking about this album with you, man, and breaking it down track by track. Like you said earlier, I've never done this before either. And it definitely opens your eyes to a lot of the songs in a different way. Yeah. And hats off to Ozzy. I mean, and Andrew Watt, this album was number three on the Billboard charts. It had four number ones on the Billboard charts as well. But I mean, obviously the main track, the Billboard 200, he hit three. It was the number one hard rock album. It was the number one rock album on Billboard. It was the number one alternative album on Billboard. And it's also the number one physical sales album on Billboard, which really annoys me that he was number three where he had most sales that week. That is a tough one for me to swallow. And it was the Grammy Award winning rock album of the year. And he won the best heavy metal song of the year. I mean, everything that Ozzy could have dreamed except hitting number one on the Billboard top 200 album chart like he did with 13. And I wish this album would have done it for him. But man, the man is immortal and he is even more immortalized after this record. No question about it. And with that said, Dan, is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? I'm good, man. Thank you for the listens, guys. Let us know. We might put up a poll like Josh had mentioned to see what we want to tackle next. So please jump in and take a vote. And let us know, rank the album for us. 12 through one. How do you rank the tracks on patient number nine? We'd like to know which songs are your favorite. Whose list do you agree with the most? Mine or Dan's? Something tells me I'm uh, in the negative side of this one, but that's okay. 
Let us know what's your favorite track. Let us know your listing. But until next time, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks for coming. No, thank you for coming. Yeah. Released in 93 for Live and Loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. So it's only seven Mm. years. And that yeah. seemed like forever since Live Aid. It seems like forever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, that, that now. Yeah, 92, now, now that's 40 years ago. Now they'll have four bands, and it's nothing to go that long between albums or between uh, re, you sorry, know, reuniting. Or <laughs> I lost a decade right. 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you get old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I've lost a couple of decades. <laughs> I just lost a decade, dude. <laughs> of course, um, you know me. I don't think anything's a ballad, so that's beside the point. Uh, I don't know if this is, man. I've kind of come on your page on this one a little bit. I come, I came on your page. Uh, um, so what did your buddy say about the movie? That explains why I can't turn it. <laughs> so sticky. I hope you got your gloves on. Oh, that's funny. Oh, man. I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs>